Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. To begin, please ask yourself this question. At middle age, do I feel stuck? Do any of these descriptions fit you? You're sick and tired of trying to get ahead financially, but you can't figure out what's holding you back. You're at a dead end. You know you're fully capable of moving up the ladder and earning more, but your small business or career is stuck on neutral. And when you look at your current bank balance, you feel ashamed. You have a lousy relationship with money. You're a chronic debtor or overspender. Whenever possible, you put off paying bills or keeping track of your money, and there's never enough to do what you want to do. And every time you finally get ahead financially, something happens, and you end up right back where you started. And I know this used to describe me. You resent wealthy and successful people, especially folks you think are no smarter than you are, but they always get the promotions, find success in business or in their profession, and always have enough money to enjoy the lifestyle you can only dream of. Do you lose sleep at night worrying about how you overpay off your mounting credit card debt, not to mention getting your three teenagers through college and saving and investing for retirement? And even worse, do you have the gut feeling you're about to get laid off at work? Well, what if I told you that your personal financial and career circumstances depend far less on external factors, your vocational qualifications, how well your employer is performing, unanticipated health or financial emergencies, than upon your internal thoughts, beliefs, and emotions about money and wealth accumulation? In fact, about the what yourself and uh, what you merely merit in this world. And, and my first guest today, in fact, proclaims that uh, uh, that's acclaimed personal uh, pr- prosperity coach Joan Sotkin contends that your personal finances and career success are extensions of who you think you are and what you consider to be your place in the world. And she's here to explain why and to demonstrate, regardless of past frustrations, how changing your emotions, learning basic money skills and sound financial habits, and reprogramming your brain can lead to a brand-new positive financial identity, which in turn will help you attract vocational success and wealth that so for so long has been eluding you. And Joan Sotkin, uh, for over 30 years, has been providing entrepreneurs and practitioners uh, online courses, Uh, She's been guiding them through online courses, individual and group coaching, tools for prosperity to enhance business performance and resolve money issues, and she's founder of a popular website that, believe it or not, has been around since 1995, and she's host of the Prosperity Place podcast, and she's author of award-winning 2011 book, Build Your Money Muscles, and the inspiring 2016 biography, The Search for Connection. 
And long-term listeners may recall that Joan Sotkin was a prior guest on this program three years ago on April 27, 2015. Hello, Joan, and welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi, Richard, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. You kind of answered all the questions. <laughs> well, for those of us uh, presently struggling with money and finances, it's so uh, easy to think about what we want to do, yet it's so hard to actually take action. We know we're not happy uh, with where we are financially or maybe in our career. What's preventing us from stepping up to uh, make things better, to taking that first step? Well, Well, first of all, Everybody seems to have money issues. It doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or you struggle to pay the rent. I've yet to meet people who don't have money issues. People who have a lot of money worry about losing it, and and they're not any better at managing it than people with very little money. So the first thing you have to remember is if you're worried about money, if you're having problems with money, it's never about money. Huh. If you're trying to solve your money problem, then you really have to say, how are the decisions that I'm making leading to my life and financial outcomes? And what is it that goes into my decisions? Because huh. that's really what determines your life, is the decisions you make, the choices you make. Yeah. And what I, I've come to understand that what goes into the decisions is your beliefs, your thoughts, and your emotions. In every decision, there's an emotional component. Yeah. And the, the emotions kind of are the creative force behind your life stories. Huh. Now, I've been on the personal growth and development path forever, and there's this feeling among people or this belief that there's something wrong with us that needs fixing. Oh, I don't do this right. My <laughs> my my self-image is so low. There's something wrong with me. What do I have to do to fix myself? Yeah. Well, the fact is there's nothing wrong with you that needs fixing. Well, what that's, the, that's uh, comforting to know. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's just that you have thinking, believing, and feeling habits that developed early in childhood so you don't even recognize that they're they're habits. And once you understand that, then you can say, okay, what's the habit and what do I need to do to create different responses, different choices? And I've come to understand that it's all a matter of brain science, That the reason you do what you do is because your brain is programmed with what are called neural pathways that form with repetition, and they're really what determines which direction you go in life. And once you understand that, you can say, okay, how do I create new neural pathways so I'm making new decisions, new types of decisions based on familiar stimuli. And the wonderful thing about money is it gives us so many opportunities to look at these issues. And it's like one of my favorite things to have people look at is what happens when you look at your bank balance? 
Very few people go, oh, well, look at my bank balance. Isn't that fabulous? No. (laughs) They go, oh, I should be making more money at this age. And Joe Schmo makes more money than I do. Why can't I? And all those other things you listed in the beginning when you were introducing this episode. Isn't it it interesting if we've had a friend that we've – had for years, and we've always considered ourselves on the same level, and suddenly, for whatever reason, that person gets a big promotion or inherits a bunch of money or somehow becomes out of our league financially, we're suddenly envious, and we don't really want to associate with that person so much because we feel somehow we're inferior because we don't have as much money. Okay, and that feeling, that there's you, you mentioned a number of emotions there. One was feels inadequate, yeah. I'm not good enough. Yeah. Now, that doesn't start when your friend makes more money. Oh. I That's see. a habit that you've had for a long time. Okay, but the other you feel like the other person has a similar habit that uh, both of you sort of fit together. No, but the thing is, the thing is, just because a person gets a promotion or makes more money, yeah. doesn't mean that they're happy and satisfied. No, that's that's true. We think they are, though. <laughs> exactly. So the idea is for you to set feeling goals. Oh, I see. What do you want to feel like? And let's go back to where you're looking at your bank balance. When you say to yourself, oh, I should be making more money, look at Joe Schmo, he just got all this money, (laughs) what you're experiencing is shame. I'm ashamed of my financial position, and that has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how you feel about yourself. And so when when you can recognize the shame, And understand that shame is not bad. It's the perfect response to how you were treated as a child. And once you can say, okay, this is shame, then you can say to yourself, okay, what would I rather be feeling? And do I know how to feel that? Because that shame response is coming from these neural pathways in your brain. And if you say, okay, what would I rather feel, feel, and do I know how to feel that? Well, you can train yourself to have new emotional responses. Huh. It's all very scientific, and there's nothing wrong with you. If you're feeling shame, if you're feeling anger, a lot of people yeah. act to anger out to their money. The, yeah. the main feelings that people act out to their money are aloneness, shame, uh, deprivation, anger, and a sense of being trapped. And if you think that, if you keep saying, I need more money, what you're really saying is, I need more people. Because yeah. money doesn't just fly in the window, it no. comes from people. So when you understand that the real saying is, I need more people, That's a good then you... Point. Then you I need more look, people on my side, in other words. I, I, need, more, I, I, I need more support. What yeah. you just said is, I need more people who support me. Because if you didn't feel supported as a child, then you're going to carry that sense of not being supported yeah. through your life. And then you can say, okay, what would I rather feel? I'd rather feel supported and acknowledged. And loved, do I know how to feel that? 
Yeah. Do I know how to feel touched? Because when someone hands you money, it's it's one of the ways that humans touch each other is by handing each other money. Yeah. So if you're willing to look at not the money, but what's behind those money feelings. Yeah, then if you, you feel can, like you're getting the money because you are a valuable person and you performed a valuable service for someone else, then that money means a lot more to you than, uh, say, winning the lottery, I would think. Right. But also, you know, people talk a lot about under-earning. Yeah. I also talk about (laughs) over-earning. What's going on with a person who needs another million or another billion? And and to get that million or that billion, they're working so hard and they're yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing to the point where they often hurt themselves physically because of the stress they're under. And they miss and their uh, children's events growing up and they exactly, alienate exactly. their spouse. Exactly. There's all kinds of negative. It's, isn't it interesting that uh, I think a number of lottery winners probably – deep down feel like they didn't really deserve the money and they're not comfortable with all that and a lot of them blow a lot of that money. <laughs> the majority that. of them. The majority <laughs> of them, dis- it disappears. But also, there's another element to that. Oh. If I've been broke all my life, yeah. struggling to pay the rent and buy the food and that yeah. sort of thing, and I suddenly have a million dollars, let's just yeah. take a million dollars, that is not congruent with my sense of self. Oh, that's very true. It doesn't fit your self-image of who you think you are or have been. Exactly. So I'm going to get rid of it so I can understand who I am. Yeah. That makes I mean, and this has nothing to do with money. It has to do with how you perceive yourself in the world and your habitual emotions. And people are afraid to talk about emotions, but if you understand it in terms of brain science, rather than saying, oh, that's a, I don't believe in such a thing as negative emotions. They're just emotions. Yeah. Oh, I have to get rid of my anger. It's a negative emotion. I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Anger is a very rational response to any kind of violation. Yeah, so if you were, if you were, totally appropriate if somebody violates uh, your space or, or your loved exactly. one's space or something. But, uh, exactly. Always... So when you were a little kid and you were abused, and you weren't allowed to express your anger, that anger is yeah. going to build up inside of you until yeah. you have to find a way of expressing it, yeah. and people will express it through their money. Oh, yeah. Well, on your website, prosperityplace.com, you outline a unique way to reprogram your subconscious mind and remove internal blocks to success. Can you briefly describe for us what the the process you label the energy adjustment? What is this process, and what are its benefits, and how do we perform it? Also, what's a group energy adjustment that you uh, periodically offer through your website? I noticed it was, was on there. Well, this is, and I, I'm not sure that I'm going to do them as often as I was. Because oh. I'm trying to get into a very practical mode. Now, the energy adjustments, this is something I've been doing for many years. Oh, I see. Uh, when I had my crystal business in the 1980s, yeah. I learned how to do energy work. 
Uh, I, I, I just came back from a session with an energy worker. If something's go- not working right, it's because it's, it's like with the meridians in acupuncture because the oh. energy's not flowing properly. <laughs> yeah. And so I've been taught how to do uh, energy work, and it's hard to explain because it's not like I learned a particular technique from another person. It's something I just learned when when I had given everything I owned away and I was traveling listening to that inner voice, it was just something that I learned to do. And now I combine the energy adjustments, the energy work, with a technique called Be Set Free Fast, which is one of the energy psychology techniques that is designed to reprogram your subconscious. I mean, this is where all the work goes. It's reprogramming your brain. (laughs) And it's, again, if you you never remember anything else I say, there's nothing wrong with you and you don't have to fix anything. It's just a matter of rewiring your brain. Well, I understand you have a a new course that you're offering uh, talking about rewiring your brain. Tell us about that course and uh, how somebody would sign up for it and... uh... Well, the the course is called Rewire Your Brain for Prosperity and Financial Freedom. Oh. And in the course, I talk about the five main emotions that uh, affect your financial outcomes. And I explain very clearly how your beliefs, your thoughts, and your emotions lead to your decisions that lead to your life outcomes. And once you understand the theory... And along with what we just talked about is changing your financial position can be a threat to your identity, who you perceive (laughs) yourself to be. I mean, why do people resist? It's like people know that eating sugar is bad, and yet they, you know, people say, I haven't eaten sugar in 44 years. Wow. And (laughs) when the doctor told me you won't be depressed anymore if you stop eating sugar, I stopped the next day. And But people will say to me, but I can't give up my chocolate. And the thing is, what do you want from life? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be healthy? Do you, do you want to have to keep going to the doctor and taking all those drugs? Or are you willing to take care of yourself? And so the course, Rewire Your Brain, is about how to recognize, release, replace, the emotions, the thoughts, and the beliefs that are getting in the way of you reaching your desires. Yeah, that, that's such a great uh, ambition to do, to, uh, to remove that, uh, all those. Uh, and uh, you have a 2011 book uh, called Build Your Money Mus- uh, Muscles, Nine Simple Exercises for Improving Your Relationship with Money. And we don't have time to discuss nine, but... Uh, Listeners will have to preview your book, but uh, to what uh, to whet your our appetite? Can you please highlight a couple of the exercises? What uh, what kind well, of exercises do you do? Well, in the book, uh, every other chapter is an internal exercise, and every oh. other chapter is an external one. Oh, I get it. So first, you you go through this thing of of practicing change. You know, yeah. things like turning the toilet paper around in the other direction. <laughs> That would solve all our problems. (laughs) It'll it'll help you. It really will. Because you get used to the feeling of change, which is not always comfortable. Yeah, I used to argue with a partner in business. He always wanted to change things around, like uh, 
you know, furniture and stuff, and I would argue that it was a waste of time, but I guess he was right. <laughs> well, the, I don't know if there's right or wrong. Yeah, you know, it, it just is what it is. Yeah. But in the book, I, I really outline the feelings that people act out through their money, and I, I offer suggestions for things like how to set realistic goals. Oh. I'll be talking to a, a person who makes $40,000 a year, yeah. and I'll say, well, how much money do you need? And they'll say $2 million. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, th- that's one way of keeping yourself from changing your financial position. Yeah, so sure. set the goal 10% higher than where you are, uh, yeah. and that's achievable. And also what I have come to understand is one of the most important things we can focus on is how we connect to other people. Yeah, amen. Humans are not supposed to do things alone. And when you feel connected, that, that feeling of connected and acknowledged and appreciated, that's what allows you to make more money. Yeah, well, that's for sure. And uh, give us that website again, because uh, it sounds like it's just loaded with uh, resources, courses, uh, class, uh, coaching opportunities, <laughs> yeah. those books. And uh, what, what's your website address where people should go? Okay, it's uh, prosperityplace.com. Remember, I've been online for 22 years, <laughs> so there's a lot of information. Oh, it's packed full. Well, however your, tough your finances are now or have been in the past, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because folks who accomplish an energy adjustment experience, however you want to call it, uh, achieve a delightful sense of calm, hope, and inner peace, a renewed sense of purpose or maybe a new sense of purpose, getting unstuck and gradually moving forward, and a willingness to do what you need, uh, know needs to be done to move your life, business, or career and finances forward to the next level. And most importantly, you'll be comfortable in your own skin and growing wealth will be programmed and be consistent uh, with your own self-image. And go to the website and preview uh, Joan Sotkin's books. Uh, she also has an excellent uh, biography on her own uh, experience. And what's the name of that book? That, uh, the search for con- that's the, the search for connection, a spiritual journey. Excuse me, to physical, emotional, and financial health. Yeah, that also is uh, inspiring. But there's just so much to do. I highly recommend you go to uh, Joan's website. That's prosperityplace.com. And uh, why not start the spring off with a uh, finally getting over that hump and uh, stop blaming yourself and uh, worrying about how little you make and uh, understand what's really holding you back and then uh, starting to take action for once and for all to start uh, changing things. And thank you so much, Joan Sotkin, for being with us today. And best of success with your uh, website. Let's uh, keep it around another uh, 23 years or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Richard. I intend to do that. In our crazy 24-7 hyper-connected world, do you have trouble getting to sleep at a reasonable time and sleeping soundly without disruption throughout the entire night? Do you often wake up anxious, feeling sleep-deprived the next morning? Well, my friend, if so, you are far from alone, because millions of Americans, not to mention Europeans and folks in other developed countries, experience some form of insomnia. And as a nation, we in the U.S. spend billions of dollars each year to address our sleep deficit. 
But as we all know, the remedies we pay for so often don't work. And the result of our lack of sleep can be devastating, as all of us know, individually and collectively. Lost productivity on the job, because who can get things done when half asleep, increases in anxiety and in obesity. And believe it or not, they go together, don't they? And good old brain fog, kind of like 2100 vision without the glasses. And in response, sleep centers are proliferating all around the country. I have three sleep clinics right in my immediate neighborhood, believe it or not. And they're intended to diagnose every sleep disorder from snoring to apnea. And Big Pharma has obviously gotten into the act and has created an array of medicines, prescription and over-the-counter, to help lull us to sleep. Uh, so many of us pop a pill at night then get to get to sleep, then pour on the coffee and uh, caffeinated drinks to keep us awake during the next morning and afternoon, and uh, only to be tense and wide awake the next evening. And my guest, Sivia Gober, informs us that there is a better way, as she puts it, rather than rely on pills and potions, we will do far better to dig down to the roots of our rocky relationship with sleep. And she's here to point the way to uninterrupted nights of sound and restful sleep. And Sivia Gover is a certified dream therapist who awakens folks to the extraordinary joy, beauty, and wisdom of their daily lives. She offers one-on-one sessions, workshops, and keynotes, director of the Institute for Dream Studies, where she offers online courses in dreams and dream certification. And she's author of the acclaimed 2017 book, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep, Discover How to Use Dream Work, Meditation, and Journaling to Sleep Deeply and Wake Up Well. And hello, Sivia Gover. It's uh, indeed an honor to have you with us today. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, you tell us it's a mistake to separate night and day, our work or primary daily activity, from our sleeping hours. What are we missing by not uh, treating sleep, dreams, and waking as a single continuous process? Well, I think that what's important here, obviously there are differences between night and day and sleep and wake, but what we tend to do is we tend to shunt sleep and nighttime over to one corner of our uh, thinking, and we don't value it, we don't pay attention to it. It's almost like the head hits the pillow and we we expect to just be conked out. So I'm encouraging people to take the same kind of attitude of interest and curiosity and thought you know, thoughtfulness to night and sleep as they do to being awake and during the day. Yeah, well, in your book, you tell us to make space for sleep and dreams, and that sounds great, but at the intended bedtime, what if you're still anxious about issues of the day just past or worrying about tomorrow? Any suggestions on how to turn off the uh, deliberations of an anxious mind so we can get some (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the trick, isn't it? And that's what so many of us are facing. And a lot of it's about, you know, we think we could just flip a switch like we do when we want to turn a light off or on. Like, (laughs) oh, it's bedtime now. I'm going to turn off the thinking switch and the planning and the worrying switch. But, no, we have to ease into it. So sort of back up a little, so at least an hour before bedtime, if not more, start to wind down, you know, turn off the bright lights in your house and use smaller lamps or candlelight even to start creating a calm environment, 
unplug from the phone, unplug from the screens. I have really to turn off my TV. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> Some people do like to fall asleep with the TV on. And of all the screens that we use, it's yeah. one of the more passive ones, so yeah, it's not as energizing as being online in some kind of, you know, chatting or emailing. Or video or, games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still, yeah, the more that you can start to unplug and wind down. Part of the problem with those screens is they're emitting a blue light that's yeah. um, telling your body, telling your circadian rhythms that it's time to wake up instead of go to sleep. Oh, so that's part of the problem with those screens. I see. Well, your book promotes mindfulness-based techniques to build habits to promote healthy sleep and right. uh, sound sleep. For those unfamiliar with mindfulness, can you please summarize what it is and how it can be used to uh, to help sleep? Yeah, absolutely. So mindfulness, sometimes I think it should be called mind emptiness because <laughs> we're noticing when we're mindful, we're coming into the present moment to notice what's going on with our mind, our brains, our thoughts and feelings, and developing the ability to consciously choose, you know, do I want to be worrying right now, and to be able to shift. And we build that ability by doing meditation and similar type exercises. Oh, I see. That makes so much sense. First, you realize what what you are thinking at that moment, and then you realize that you hopefully have the power to turn that off if you don't want to be thinking that. Exactly. We actually have a lot more choice and a lot more empowerment than we realize, and it takes a small amount of effort, not as much as people think. So in my book, I offer a lot of different simple uh, breathing and meditation exercises that you can do in just a minute or two, um, that can make a big difference. You also talk about dream work. What is dream work, and how can it help to lead a peace, lead to a peaceful night's sleep? Yeah, that's a great question, and thanks for asking it, because consciously or unconsciously, what some people don't realize is the reason they're avoiding sleep is because they're uncomfortable with uh, their dreams. Maybe they've had disturbing dreams, huh. nightmares, or dreams that just seem so bizarre that they're uncomfortable with them. Wow. So, yeah, and for a lot of people that's unconscious. They don't realize that's why they're avoiding sleep. Um, But studies have shown it to be true. So that's one end of it. If we can become more conscious of what we're dreaming and by dream work, meaning really just paying some attention, talking to somebody, could be a therapist or could just be a trusted friend about our dreams. Um, That can help. And at the other end of the spectrum, once we start to have a friendly relationship with our dreams and realize that they're offering us guidance and wisdom and great um, problem-solving help, then dreams can even start to be an incentive to get a good night's sleep. It could be sort of the carrot uh, as opposed to the stick that says, oh, wow, I actually want to get into bed. I actually want to calm my mind so I can enter sleep and get the benefit of my dreams. Yeah, I kind of look forward to my dreams each night. I guess I have pretty good ones. But uh, Are there some nice. practical tools we can use to uh, demystify our dreams? I know a lot of them don't make a lot of sense to me when I wake up. But uh, How do we translate that into language we can understand? 
Yeah, again, a very well-phrased question because it is about starting to understand our dream language. The dreams are talking to us, and even though they seem very mysterious, uh, really they're using the language of our own emotions and memories and associations. So with a little bit of attention, and that's the primary thing, and also just the faith that we can understand them. We'll make big strides. And I offer several tips in the book. Oh, okay. uh, one quick thing I can suggest is to remember that the dreams are talking to you symbolically. So to start mm-hmm. asking your questions, you know, if I dreamt about a dog, you know, okay. to ask what does a dog mean to me? What qualities does a dog have or what do I associate <laughs> dogs with? And it can start to open up the theme that the dream is addressing for you. Oh, I see. Well, what if tonight I experience a nightmare and greatly relieved when I wake up and realize the dream wasn't true? Can a bad dream, even a nightmare, sometimes lead to good? And how does that happen? So, yeah, when we turn towards our nightmare instead of running away from them, and it's perfectly natural to be frightened by a nightmare, but really a nightmare when we realize it's a dream that's trying to get our attention, and usually it's trying to get our attention about something we've pushed away, we've repressed or rejected some belief or some thought about ourselves or our lives. So once you get yourself calm and remember that it was a dream and you're safe in your bed or in your home, (laughs) then it's a good idea to look at that dream just like any other and try to find what message it's giving you. So very simply, say you dream a nightmare you're being chased by a pursuer, you know, a scary person or monster. If you start to ask yourself, what, where am I feeling chased you know, or pursued oh, in life? It yeah. usually is on an emotional level or a spiritual level. You might feel under a lot of pressure about something, yeah. um, that there's something you're running away from metaphorically. Maybe I'm running away from facing something. Yeah. If you can pinpoint what that is, you can start addressing what that nightmare is trying to tell you. Yeah. Well, my wife tells me I drive her crazy through my snoring. Is there any suggestions on how I can use a mindfulness to eliminate, at least cut down on the snoring? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'm often answering that question from the other side, you know, the side of the, the partner, the wife, or the husband, <laughs> yeah. the, the bed partner who is being um, tortured by the snoring. Yeah. <laughs> and in that case, the mindfulness can um, help it's a very challenging situation on both sides. And um, unfortunately, I don't know a quick and easy fix, although I do recommend earplugs <laughs> <laughs> for the bed partner. <laughs> there are certainly things for the snorer, you know, if you look at diet, exercise, sort of all the regular things first. Um, you know, alcohol before bed can cause more snoring. I don't do that. Um, you know, certain dietary things and sleep yeah. positions, too. So you got to experiment with a few things. And for some people, snoring can be a sign of a sleep issue. So a visit to one of those sleep centers you mentioned might be in order to get a, a sleep study done. Yeah, so it's, it's something we might as a last resort need to do then, I guess, to go to one of those sleep centers. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them, really, I guess. 
No, I went and had a sleep test myself um, to experience, you know, what so many people I speak to experience. And it's very uh, unusual experience. It's almost like a dream in and of itself, but you get some really good information at the other end. I always thought it would be fun to fall asleep in one of those sleep centers. <laughs> See how peaceful it's it is. It's an experience. Well, let's talk a little bit about your latest book, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. What prompted you to write this book? Have you always been a sound sleeper yourself? If not, uh, how did you become one? <laughs> quite the opposite. So, you know, this book, I've written several self-help books. Um, my other title is um, Joy in Every Moment. Oh. And people always think, oh, that's because she's happy all the time or that's because she <laughs> sleeps so well. No, in both cases, um, I write about what I need to learn about. Oh. So I've been fascinated by dreams all my life, huh. and I have experienced a lot of nightmares. I have frequently had nightmares huh. growing up, and so it was my curiosity that led me into this whole field, and the dreams really led me into sleep. But to really answer your question, why I wanted to write this book, is because I believe that getting in touch with sleep and dreams in a mindful way helps to empower us with something that we thought was out of our control. So when we get in touch with our dreams, we get in touch with deep well of resources of, as I mentioned, wisdom. We could get great um, insight for physical healing, for uh, emotional healing, as well as inspiration. And everybody has this. It's sort of at the core of their sleep experience, whether we remember our dreams or not. So I want to introduce people to the benefits of sleep and dreams and going about it consciously so we become active and engaged well, in a process that's so nurturing for that's us. That's wonderful. Not only uh, does it put your, let your body and mind get a deep rest and refresh itself for the next day, but it also can give us uh, messages for uh, making us more aware of what's ahead or uh, which direction we should exactly. go. So I, I love that. But, uh, yeah. Well, uh, is, your book isn't like a textbook, is it? Doesn't it have a lot of uh, practical exercises to help a layperson like me to sleep better? That's and, uh, right. It's a very user-friendly book. It's set up so there are very short um, passages to introduce oh. the topics, and then it's full of tips and techniques. So you oh, can great. just sort of open it up and get some practical guidance, very uh, user-friendly, and in fact, it was just named a finalist in the Forward Indie Book of the Year uh, oh. contest, so it's been named the one of the uh, top self-help books oh, of the year great. published by an independent publisher, so very excited about that. Well, that's great. So, where where yeah. best should we go to preview and purchase your uh, book, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep? So my book is a bit widely available online, um, all the online retailers that you're familiar with, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and it should be available in your local library and independent bookstore as well. Oh, yeah. So again, yeah, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep, and uh, I hope people really enjoy it. 
Well, you also offer online courses in dreams and dream certification. You conduct one-on-one sessions. You give keynotes, classes, and workshops. Please tell us how to learn more about these and how to make connections. Do you have a website we could go to? Or a- Yes. In fact, I have two. My dream school is the Institute for Dream Studies, and so that's the instituteforDreamStudies.org, or my website, ZiviaGover.com. Which and is spell that because it's not like uh, it sounds really. Right. Yeah, it's an unusual name. It's spelled T-Z-I-V-I-A, oh. and my last name is G-O-V-E-R. Yeah, that one's easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, to conclude, I love this quote from Sylvia Gober's website. You were born to dazzle, to the light, and to dare. It's your life. It's your dream. Let's wake it up together. And the sad fact of life for so many of us, however ambitious and wonderful our goals, intentions, and ambitions, we keep falling short because we can't consistently get a good night's sleep. We simply can't transition successfully from a day full of challenge into a restful, dream-filled night of sleep and then interpret our dreams as signposts to a joyful tomorrow. And as just explained by my guest, Sylvia Gover, there is a remedy, and it's not drugs or a CPAP device. As an Amazon uh, critic uh, lauded her book as follows, with clarity, insight, and wit, Sylvia Gover provides all the ingredients for a good night's sleep to help you fully experience a good life. And as let me assure you, the two really do go together. And I highly recommend you preview and purchase Sivia's book, The Mindful Way to a Good Night's Sleep. Believe me, you have nothing to lose but a lot of painful, restless, and sleep-deprived nights. And thanks a million, Sivia Gover, for joining us here today. Well, thank you, Roy, for making this wonderful opportunity for your listeners and certainly for myself. And thanks to all of you for listening in. Please don't forget my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. You'll find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And for now, goodbye and to all sweet dreams. (laughs) And tune in next week for another edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. Thank you.